Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Guidance is internal. Ignition sequence starts. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Permission to board. Permission to come aboard. Permission to board. Permission to bring me aboard. Permission to come aboard. Welcome to the Permission Granted Podcast. Here's D.A. Welcome inside the freshest edition of the Permission Granted Podcast, everybody. D.A. with you. We'll have Mraz join me in a little bit. Also, we want to remind you on how to get this. You can get this by simply going to iTunes, search Permission Granted Podcast, or just Permission Granted. You'll find us there. It's completely free. Subscribe. It's available on the normal DA Show podcast feed as well on iTunes. We always put them up on Facebook and on Twitter as well. So best place to get it, facebook.com slash the DA Show. Go there, like the show page, and it's on our website, daoncbs.com. Last week, Mraz and I spent some time discussing how crazy it was that WrestleMania had taken up such a large chunk of the mainstream media this week, or at least last week. And that's because ESPN was doing live hits from it and covering it with SportsCenter. We here at CBS Sports Radio had a post-WrestleMania show with Taz, the former wrestler, that was broadcast out of our studios on Sunday. And so I thought it was interesting. I mean, if you were on Twitter, my goodness, that night, if you were a sports fan, you couldn't ignore it on Sunday. So one of my friends from Boston is a guy that I thought I could lean on to give me some perspective, to give us all a perspective, if you're not a wrestling fan, to kind of figure out where it it sits right now in terms of pop culture and where it stands right now in terms of mass media and why it's kind of getting attention that maybe is a mainstream thing that for a long time it did not. And that would be James Stewart. What's up, Jay Stu? DA, thank you so much for inviting me on the program. I greatly appreciate it. It's, well, it's humbling to be on your program. It is my pleasure, and uh, you leave Dallas into a snowstorm in Boston, and it's already April. How how soul-crushing is that? Oh, I leave 80 degrees in Dallas, where I was in shorts yesterday, having the time of my life at WrestleMania. I come home to this bleep storm. I mean, opening days canceled, snow on the ground, I just shoveled out my driveway as quickly as I could uh, so I get my car in and be on the horn with you. My, My whole goal was to have you on, not to discuss the intricacies of who won yesterday. I want to do this for the non wrestling fan because the non wrestling fan has looked at wrestling as this kind of niche, weird sideshow. And over the last couple of weeks, it's been very mainstream to discuss and analyze and cover WrestleMania. Sports Center was there and was doing it. I know we had a show here hosted by Taz on the network, CBS Sports Radio, the post-match show. So I wanted to go to you. Why do you think, what's your theory on why mainstream media is starting to attach itself to wrestling? So in the case, 
case of the worldwide leader, they have a business agreement with the WWE. They trade off things. Jonathan Coachman used to work for WWE. Todd Grisham used to work for WWE. So they have a business agreement. They don't actually cover like what happens in pro wrestling WWE. They're just a promotional, I don't want to say advertiser, that's the wrong way of putting it, but they're promotional. Uh, they have a business deal, so they want to talk to Brock Lesnar. He goes on SportsCenter with them. Uh, as for Taz, I, I think Taz started it up because CBS was interested. Ric Flair also does a podcast on Play.it, and the Taz show is awesome. I was listening to it on the flight back from Dallas. He had Jim Ross on, and I think in this instance why it, there's so much buzz is because WrestleMania to wrestling fans is the Super Bowl. And all the legends come back for it, or as many as are allowed to. Like Hulk Hogan's not going to be back for a little while because he had his little thing, even though he won. Uh, but Shaq was there last night, Man- Maria Menunos, And I always feel like there's a little bit of wrestling fan in everyone. And I think that's what WrestleMania really tries to direct its message at. Well... Tell me about this business partnership with ESPN because this is significant. Why would ESPN, being the quote-unquote worldwide leader and the biggest kind of sports conglomerate we, we have in media, why would ESPN, after 35 years in the business, want to be in bed with WWE? Because every Monday night, every Friday, now Thursday night, WWE does excellent ratings on television. And in this world of ESPN's falling revenues and falling ratings and people cutting the cord on cable because they can watch everything on demand, that is why. They think that getting the the wrestling fans' eyes on their show is a good thing. They love Brock Lesnar, so you see him on there all the time. If they can get uh, an advertisement, a plug on Raw for some wrestler who's going on their show the next night they're going to do it because nine o'clock on a tuesday night doesn't seem like a big ratings hit for espn of late so in other words it helps out espn because they're trying to draw the wrestling fans eyeballs to a random sports center to the network for something they they're looking to actually attract um extra ratings extra eyeballs whereas you're saying that wrestling is kind of the uh that's that's the point of strength that you're drawing from. Yes, that's that that sums it up much more eloquently than I could. So, what is the target demographic for wrestling right now? Is it younger? Is it all male? What is it today? So, for wrestling right now, they are in the PG era. Uh, when I was in high school, it was the Attitude Era, and it was Steve Austin flipping the bird to people, and Ric Flair bleeding buckets in a match. Now it is, we're going to do a family show. We're going to make sure that people leave with smiles on their faces. Uh, Similar to the circus, a lot of people call wrestling kind of the carny or the circus type atmosphere. The goal, the principal goal of WWE, a a publicly traded company, is to have fans leave with a smile on their face. That's so interesting. Why did it? Why did it evolve into the family era? I, I would have never figured, I would have never pegged wrestling to be the family era right now. So when Vince 
McMahon really first started was around 1983, 84, and he had Hulk Hogan. Say your prayers, eat your vitamins, brother. Do everything the right way. Kids, family, cartoons. Because I think the psychology of it was we have the the seven-year-old kid interested in it. He's going to want his parents to buy the the action figure or the video game. Right. And then the live event will come to the area. Well, now mom and dad have to take their kid, maybe their other kid. So now there's four tickets sold to a live event. Well, the kid's got to have the Hulk Hogan Ripaway T-shirt and the ice cream bar. And now you've, you've turned a seven-year-old kid who just happens to click by the TV and see pro wrestling into you've now made probably two to three to $400 just that easily. So when WCW came along around 1995, they had Hulk Hogan, but they turned him into a bad guy. And it was really in an era where people were kind of revolting against their bosses in their minds. So now you have Hulk Hogan, a bad guy. You have Steve Austin, who has turned from a character who doesn't say anything, into this rebel against his boss. And that sparked the Attitude Era, an era that Vince McMahon really wasn't comfortable with, but he went with because he was losing the wrestling wars to Ted Turner's World Championship Wrestling. And now that he bought Ted Turner, and there's really no competition Ring of Honor, I love their product. TNA, I love their product. New Japan, I love their product. But there's a clear number one in the pro wrestling sports entertainment world, and that's Vince McMahon's WWE. So Vince McMahon, for all of his bluster and kind of seemingly like playing the bad guy and maybe over the top being a villain, he's actually more about family than most people would assume, I guess, huh? Absolutely, and that spills down to his daughter, Stephanie, who, ha- who holds a very uh, major title. I mean, I think she's probably like second or third on the masthead. And her husband, uh, Triple H, who you've talked to in the past. And there was an incident where the bad guys in the ring were beating up the good guys so well, and I wish I could remember who the wrestlers were in the ring, where there was a kid in the front row who was crying. And Triple H turned around and basically comforted the kid and saying, hey, you know, don't worry, the good guy's going to come back here. Like, there's nothing to be upset about. And Triple H at the time was a bad guy, like the number one bad guy in the company. But because he saw a kid that was, like, that upset about something that was going on, he didn't want that child to leave with a bad experience. So this is really interesting because when I was young as well in the 80s, I mean, it's the cartoon era of WWF, and they have the cartoons, and it's like everything's a caricature. It's Sergeant Slaughter, and it's Nikolai Volkov, and it's uh, Hulk Hogan, and, you know, all of the junkyard dogs. They they were made in cartoonish caricature fashion. Jake the Snake Roberts, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, and on and on and on. Exactly. And so today... It might be more family-friendly, but they've gone away from that, like, overt caricature. So is there more of, like, a sophistication? Like, I noticed just looking at the roster of WrestleMania, there's nobody called, like, uh, what was the Oriental Express or whatever that was. The Orient Express. The Orient Express. But so today it's more like normal names and normal guys without the cartoonish features. Yes, that would be accurate to say. But in in a case, taking the differences from the 80s to now, 
like the bad guy wrestler can't do certain things. Like uh, something as simple as manipulating the referee. You have to be a certain person in a certain spot to be able to do that. Or like remember the old thumb to the eye? Yeah. That's, that's a no-no nowadays. Something as simple as that to, to kind of, I don't want to use a, I don't feel appropriate using an insider term. But to make the bad guys more bad, they do these dastardly things. So that's another kind of change to, and it all goes with what Vince McMahon at 70 years old is comfortable doing, and that's cartoonish wrestling, sports entertainment as he calls it. And he, that's how he knows how to draw money, and that's, that's why John Cena is on top for as long. That's why Roman Reigns projects to be the next guy. Like the Steve Austins, the Rocks, the Mankinds, they were great for that era, and people of my age, 35, we love that era, absolutely. But we also love Hulk Hogan and Ricky Steamboat. So there's, there's kind of a balance. There's kind of a balance. And the, the fan who's my age is understands where they're going, but we don't like Roman Reigns because, and I, I actually do like Roman Reigns, but 100,000 people booed Roman Reigns out of the building because they didn't want him winning the championship last night. So... What's what's the the health of the business like right now for WWE? Is it losing market share? Is it losing relevance? Is it gaining it? So they made the most money in their company's history last year. Hmm. Wow. And this is at a time where their ratings are down. They, in a lot of people's minds, including myself, they're overexposed. They do three hours on Monday night. They do two hours on. SmackDown on Thursday night, that's five hours. Then they have a Sunday event once a month, and that runs three hours. That's a lot of wrestling. That's a lot of talent that's out there. Uh, Last night was a a six-and-a-half-hour show, which being there, I didn't feel it. But listening to a lot of people's reactions after the fact, they felt it. And by the time that... They got past uh, Shane's dive off the cage, or even before that, after the women's match. They were just drained, and they just were like, you know what, we'll watch this later. Or they, you know, I, I had one friend who fell asleep and woke up, and it was 11.30, and the, the show was still going on, because typically the wrestling show is from 8 to 11. Then recently they started doing WrestleMania, where it was 7 to 11. And then last night... I mean, that show ended up ended at almost midnight Eastern time, I think. Jeez. Well, we got about a minute left, so I just want to ask you a short two-part question. Number sure. one, how's the WWE Network doing? Because we had kind of um, two different reports that it was either a terrible business idea or it was making a ton of money. Uh, and number two... Um, in terms of, of the business model that they're going into right now, are they benefiting from the UFC's popularity or maybe vice versa? So I feel like those two combat sports work together. Uh, Vince McMahon being on TNN years ago helped UFC build into the audience that they have now. Plus, Brock Lesnar went from wrestling to UFC and back. So I think they've helped each other. Uh, the WWE announced to its shareholders their new network number, which is... 1.8 million subscribers to their network. That's a ridiculous number. Where their future lies is where everybody's is. They all want to follow Netflix and on-demand programming because that's, that's where the universe is seemingly going, is cutting the cable and 
instead of paying $200 a month for cable, internet, and phone, they pay $50 a month and watch things when they want to. So their business right now, uh, from a revenue point of view, is outstanding. And their network um, is doing great numbers, record numbers for them, obviously. Hmm. James Stewart. Does that make any sense whatsoever, DA? Yes, it did. Yes, it did. Jay Stewart, you did a good job here. I appreciate you putting it into digestible bites for the non-wrestling audience. Well, that, that like wrestling, wrestling is just always fun to me. Like, and it's something that I've really always understood. So, you know, trying to explain to Mike Felger and Tony Maserati the whole wrestling dynamic has kind of. It's weird. We do WrestleMania prop bets every Friday before WrestleMania, and <laughs> Felger can't understand that there's a league in Japan. <laughs> he is the executive producer of the Felger and Mash Show on 98.5 The Sports Hub in Boston. That's also simulcast on Comcast Sportsnet in New England. Follow him on Twitter. If you're a wrestling fan, you'll love his stuff. At I am James Stewart. Jay Stu, it's always a pleasure, buddy. Thanks so much. DA, thank you so much for having me. All right, thanks to my buddy Jay Stu for joining us here on the PGP. Now, Mraz joins me. And Mraz, big news here at CBS Sports Radio this week. As Billy Giagalone ends up finally going full-time. This has been a long road, a long journey for Billy Jacqueline, who's been a DA show favorite, has worked on the show numerous times. No question. Basically, for a while in the overnights, became the guy if me and Kenny were out. He was going to be on the show. Remember also, Brock left around Thanksgiving. We didn't move into our new time slot until January 1st. So there was a month and change where without a Brock, we went full jock alone. We went full jock alone. He was getting paid like a part-time. We're working full-time hours. And a couple full-time positions had opened up here, and Jock alone, unfortunately, kept going out for him but kept getting passed over. And Jolton Joe D'Aloisio got one of Jacqueline's spots. And because Jacques, yes. He applied for when Steve Moralia left right. our show. And Jacqueline looked around and said, if Steve Moralia, that dope, could do this job, I certainly could do this job. And then when he didn't do it, and Joe D, who had come you know, to work as a part-timer after Billy got it, that devastated Billy for a long time. And you didn't see Billy working on the DA show after that for a while. No, no. And you felt really bad. And you didn't know uh, where his future was at CBS Sports Radio because he was questioning everything. But here we go. Today we find out Billy Jacqueline is here full-time. At the expense, by the way, of somebody we used to love in the overnights. Mike Diaz, yes. yes. People from the overnights might remember Mike Diaz as the commissioner. Commissioner Mike Diaz. Yes. We had him come in to kind of like referee a lot of stuff. He was always like a fair-minded, even-handed guy. Making decisions. And then also he, before we started to go to Shep for the Love Life stuff, Diaz had some disappointing date stories right. as well back right. in the day. That uh, really would break your heart into a million pieces. But since, Diaz apparently has a girlfriend. Oh. I noticed plenty of pictures taken with that. And seems really, uh, I saw him the other day when he actually gave us two weeks notice. A lot happier human being. Okay, good. So Diaz has made a has made a turn, I think, in life. So that's good. Do we know where he's leaving for? Uh, I don't know the company, but I know it's out of radio. He's doing something with like a clothing company. One of these, I think it's called uh, what they call in the business a startup, if you will. Uh, <laughs> in and, the business, yes. I think that's just a common enough term. Okay, well, it's a startup, and apparently he only has to work four ten-hour days a week, so he gets three days off, which he's very excited about. This place has like a washing machine and dryer where they let you wash your own clothes when you come to work and stuff. That's a cool startup uh, here uh, in New York. Yeah, here in New York, so it's really hip, and he's really energized and excited about it, so he's, he's leaving the radio biz behind. So that opens up the door finally for Jacqueline. Yes. Jacqueline had been knocking on that door for a while. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, and and any time a job got paid and he didn't get it because there was a couple after that, there would be some ominous tweets. You'd worry about Chocolone a little bit, but apparently nothing nothing really to worry about. What would be like a coach that had been passed over a number of times that never ended up getting the jobs? That never got a job? Yeah. But, I mean, eventually got a job? Well, like, I suppose. Kind of like, who was, is it the St. Bonnie's coach that ended up going to Hofstra? Recently, right? Was that Steve Pickell? No, Steve Peichel was the Stony Brook guy that went to Rutgers. Okay, who's at Hofstra that was at Oh, Sa- that's right. We had him on, St. Bonaventure forever. Oh. I remember I asked him, and I said, was there he started ever- up at, like, Niagara or something. And I said, did you think that maybe you would never get a head coaching job? And he said, yeah. I totally, I'm totally slipping on his name. I think we're going to have to look this up here. Let's look it up. There's got to be an NFL coach out there that got passed over, passed over. And then suddenly, and then forgot about right. Um, yeah, like a Dan Quinn, okay, or an Adam Gase was talked about forever, and now finally got a job. Adam Gase, okay, that's a that's a good one. But I feel like he became a hot commodity. He did. We How- need like an older guy, like a Mike Smith, when he finally got the Falcons Oof. job. Mike Smith may not be as old as we thought. He just had you that gray hair. You don't want Joe Mahalik. Joe Mahalik. Joe Mahalik. You're right. You're Joe right. Mahalik. But, yeah, there's got to be an NFL guy, like a coordinator. You know what? Maybe a Todd Bowles. Okay. All right, that's fair. Todd Bowles was supposedly up for a lot of jobs, right? And, never, and then just never. You know what? A Bruce Arians before you get the Cardinals job? Yeah, Bruce Arians. Um, Basketball-wise, I'll give you a sneaky one just because he was a hot name like the last eight years uh-huh. or so. Maybe it wasn't as deserving yet. Oh, you know what? No. I'm going to go away from the guy I'm going to give you. My, the guy I was going to give you was Tyron Lue. Remember, he kept going up for jobs. Yeah. I'll give you the perfect guy who's still not a head coach in the NBA, who everybody thinks should be a head coach in the NBA by now. What about Patrick Ewan? Yeah. Been an assistant for... And you keep... Why doesn't he get any looks as a head coach? He's got head coaching material and then never gets that job. So that's been Billy Jock. Billy Jock's the Ewing. He's been the Ewing. <laughs> He's been passed over like Joe Mahalik. Now, finally got his job at Hofstra. Finally got the job here. Yes. And we had a congratulatory email sent out today by the bosses. Yes, with a very clever subject line. We always, whenever somebody quits and somebody gets hired, the bosses like to, you know, usher in the new and go out with the old with some kind of, hey, you know, welcome aboard or that kind of deal. And it was, what, it was coming uh, and yes. going? It's uh, say hello and say goodbye oh, or yeah. something that effect. I, I thought it was clever. They didn't go with that one. And so Diaz is leaving, and we're swan-songing him and congratulating him, and then Billy Jackalone is coming. And the last time that a full-time job opened up and Billy Jock didn't get it was an associate producer role on the Doug Doug Gottlieb Gottlieb show when Noodles left, Adam Gracia. And Stu got it. Stu got it, and I'm a big Stu fan. Yes, and you, you drove a stake right through Jockalone's heart. I didn't mean to do it. I just said, congratulations, Stu. With a bunch of U's. But and I like doing that around the newsroom. But you gave it way too many U's, and Jockalone is on this email chain. Well, how many is an appropriate number of U's? You give him five U's. That's more enough. His five name His U's? name has one U. How many did I give him? You gave him about 11, I would say, at least. I, it was double-digit U's. It was double-digit U's. And then Jockalone is sitting there basically all angry didn't get this job, and he's got the one guy who he worked on the show and he thought would have his back. And I do have congra- his back. And congratulating Stu a million times. So now we fast forward here. Today we get the email, and right away it's me, it's Berman, it's Joe. Uh, somebody else was in the newsroom today with Samter, and we said, okay, we got this. How long before DA fires off the congrats, Jacqueline? And we said, it's got to come because DA did it to Stu, and he knows how much it bothered Jacqueline. 
and we sat and we waited and waited, and here we are taping this podcast, and you still have not fired off the congratulations shock alone email. I mean, you became the guy around the office who kisses ass on the emails, and now you're not treating your guy Jack alone with the same respect you treated Stu with? What are you, nuts? Well, look, what I didn't want to do here is I didn't want to just send the email just to send the email. I'm very happy for Jacques alone, but I, I didn't see anybody else responding to it, and it goes to over 100 people in the email list, and that I don't want to just be <laughs> rando emailing 100 people. That's a weak excuse, and I'll tell you why. Only one other person responded to the congratulations Stu email before you chimed in with your million news. And that was Adam Klug, the producer of the Doug Gottlieb Show. Why? Because he's going to be working directly with Stu. You know he what I mean? He opened up the door, though. Stu, he opened up the door. He did open up the door. He the problem, the door open. The Jock Alone job that he has is more of a tape job where he's not directly associated with a show. So, therefore, he did not have uh, somebody on a show to take a step and go, oh, welcome aboard. Welcome to the crew, uh, Jock Alone, because he's kind of going to be working with everybody. So, you has you've basically taken that step on the Stu email shows that you're all about taking care of the little guys, failed to do that in this case with Jock Alone. And I imagine Jock Alone, who's probably in a celebratory mood after time and time being passed over, yeah. has to be in his back of his mind thinking, I thought I was a real part of the mothership here, and obviously DA likes Stu better than me. Well, he's very much a big part of this, and I was going to text him, but I don't have his cell phone number. Well, you know what? I got his cell phone number, but it's going to cost you a pretty penny now here. So what do I do now? Do I text him or should I send the email? I think you have to send the email, and I'll say this. Now, this doesn't matter to the people listening. We received this email, I'm going to say, about five hours ago. Uh-huh. Jock alone does not know that you may have received or sent other emails since. You know what I mean? That's right. He knows that you go on the air at 6, so he knows you're going to be sitting here in front of a computer. If you wait until after the show and you've been in front of a computer the whole time, then it's dead and buried. If you do this sometime while you're on the air during the show, it makes it look like, oh, okay, DA was checking his email while he was doing the show. Ah, uh, good idea. That's a good job by him. Okay. You got to send the email. You, and I would say normally no, but you, you sent such an emphatic email with a million news for Stu. And by the way, you better give Jock alone something to it. Better not just be a, good job, Bill. You got to give him a little something. Oh, he'll get an exclamation point. How many? Well, he can't get 11. No, I, maybe a three. Definitely, well, three seems weird. I don't think it seems weird. I think I think two sounds good, but I'll also do a my man Jack alone. A my man, a my man. Yeah, my man ends. That up, makes it personable. Yeah, and it ends up, I think, fulfilling the quota of multiple exclamation points with the stew. You know, it's the multiple U's that really do it because I, every time I see him in the newsroom, you can vouch. I say, Stu. You do. He knows that, and people around that know that. Jock alone doesn't know you do that. Yeah, he does. I don't know about that. People know. People know. People know. I'll tell you where your email. People know what I do to Stu. I, I think this is where your email thing's going to backfire with Jock alone here, I'll tell you. Do you think our boss Eric needs the email as he's sitting down at dinner with the family with the iPad going off at you know six thirty in the evening when you know you got the stew email on business hours for him? Yeah, you know because what's going to happen is you got to send it, but Eric's going to say something like, "Do you have to respond to every one of these emails?" Well, how do people view the guy that responds to mass emails? I don't think they view them very positively. No, no, and I could tell you this truthfully. I've since become very good friends with this person. I consider this person a friend. It's a coworker here. Uh-huh. 
the first year that the CBS Sports Radio Network was began, uh-huh. there was somebody who responded to every email, every you know kind of note, and seemed very brown nosing about it, and tried to almost flex their muscles a boss. And let me tell you something: they were alienated quickly by the staff. That man was Mike Samther, the now producer of the Tiki and Tyranny <laughs> show, who then was the in-studio producer for Gottlieb in Rome. He began to get wind, like, all right, a lot of people are getting a little ticked off of this. Because it would be every day we'd get that coverage play with what games the tape op should look yeah, out for. Yeah. And he'd always, hey, guys, you know, if you need this. And he was being helpful, but being helpful in the wrong way. Like, nobody knew each other yet, and you're just coming across like... Like a brown noser. He has totally stopped that. It's been at least two and a half years since we got one of those emails. And now he's one of the most lovable guys here. So he's rebounded from that. Yeah, but I'm, I'm a good teammate. I'm a good cheerleader. You're a good teammate. I would say this. You have to respond to Jock Long because you set this tone with Stu. After that, walk away from these emails going forward. <laughs> because the next part time they get the job, you don't have exactly the tie that you would have to a Jock Long or a Stu. You can text the next person, congratulations, send this email, and walk away from ever responding to a staff email again. All right, I'm taking career advice from Mraz. Side B is coming up <laughs> right now here on the Permission Granted Podcast. All right, welcome to Side B of the Permission Granted Podcast this week. Uh, boy, we're climbing into the high 80s on these PGPs, closing in on PGP 100 before you know it. That's a couple months away. Uh, this is Sean Mraz, the executive producer of the DA Show and uh, host of Side B of the Permission Granted Podcast. This week, next up in rotation on Side B is Jolton Joe D'Aloisio, associate producer of the DA Show, weekend evening producer of CBS Sports Radio. Joe, how are you? I'm doing all right, Mraz. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm starting to get a little insulted here. I feel like I'm, I've become the backup. Is there a reason behind that? What do you mean by backup? I feel like it's, you know, you hear from me every, you know, three weeks or so on the well, Permission Granted podcast. That's about accurate. Now, see, Joe, there was a time right before Christmas where, uh, as been noted, you were rattling off one after another. And because Ward is not here when we usually tape on a Monday or a Tuesday, we had to include him more. He wanted to be included more. He's every bit as part of the DA show as you. So we get him on the phone. Uh, every once in a while, I like bringing Berman in because Berman's here five days a week uh, on the DA show three days a week. And... Berman, formerly of MLB.com, had a little MLB uh, opening day insight. So he was with us last week. So now here you are, back up in the lineup, almost like a wiffle ball lineup. We're going to keep going, rotating one by one by one here, okay? Okay, no problem. That now, was a good answer. Now, it was a really good answer. Now, Joe, you had a very monumental moment on CBS Sports Radio last night, uh, or at the time of this taping, on Sunday evening, if you will, as you were the producer of the first ever WrestleMania postgame show that went to all the big affiliates, not just the one CBS Sports Radio has, but all the CBS Sports affiliates, uh, with with former wrestler Taz hosting. So you got to produce that show. How'd it go? Man, it was great, Mraz. It, and it was definitely something different. Me, I'm not a wrestling guy whatsoever. I used right. to be, you know, uh, back in the day, Stone Cold, the Shawn Rock. Michaels, The Rock, those DX. guys. Yeah, That's those when guys. I was into it as well. I was in, I was locked in. Always watching. I'm gonna admit I've never I haven't watched since. It's been tough to follow. However, last night was really interesting and you know, Taz did a great job on the network. Okay. Well, here a couple things we're gonna get to. Number one, I saw when I came in today there was still a bunch of sandwiches left. It was like you guys had a freaking giant party here last night at WrestleMania. There were Italian sandwiches, Philly cheesesteak like heroes, like all these big hero sliced stuff. I mean it was Dunkin' Donuts with coat and stuff. So what happened last night? You guys throw like a big WrestleMania party? So essentially, yeah, Taz decided to throw a big WrestleMania party. He brought all the food, the drinks. Um we had to run out to get the coffee because here at the uh, at CBS Sports Radio, unfortunately, we don't have K Cups and Taz wasn't 
too happy with the uh, <laughs> espresso pods that we provide here. Okay. And uh, I think what stemmed, this is actually interesting, what stemmed Taz to bring all the stuff was not only to make uh, WrestleMania kind of a celebration, but the fact that uh, leading up to WrestleMania, Taz had done a bunch of spots here at the network between, you know, on WFA and even, and even on CBS Sports I Radio. I saw he was on Tiki and Tyranny earlier in the Tiki week. Tiki and Tyranny, Moose and Maggie on the weekend. A bunch of shows had him on. What ticked Taz off about being here is that he got nothing. What do you mean? They couldn't. He was, you know, he was talking. He's doing his spots. He wanted a bottle of water. They couldn't give him a bottle of water. He wanted food. For good, he, for goodness sakes, he he didn't get anything while he was here. He wanted to be treated. Like oh, he a, was doing in studio in spot. studio spots. Well, hold on here for a second. Time out. Because we've had some great in-studio guests on the DA show alone, uh, amongst other shows. I mean, we had Jim Brewer sitting here in studio. Jim Brewer didn't ask for a bottle of water. Jim Brewer didn't act ticked off. Uh, and that's a real he, comedian here. You're talking about a grade C wrestler. I understand he's CBS Sports Radio's own. But he was ticked off that he couldn't get a bottle of water? I wouldn't say grade C, but regardless. Yeah, he was he was a little upset that uh, he, didn't, he, wasn't, he didn't feel that as uh, welcomed as he should have been. What? <laughs> Hold on here. They're giving you a platform to publicize yourself as welcome. I mean, what, what, what is he, some kind of prima donna? I don't know if welcome is the right word, but he was ve- he did talk about it on his uh, show that he does daily Monday to Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Boy, you're all in plugging Taz here. But <laughs> but it just seemed like, you know, uh, it, listen, you have someone in here, they ask for a cup of coffee. You really can't get them a cup of coffee. You get them those damn espresso pods that stink. That's not coffee. That's coffee. That's not coffee. Well, coffee stinks anyway, regardless. So he, that's what he's ticked off about. Ah, I want a cup of coffee. They give me garbage. You know what? That's acting like you're a real celebrity. And Taz, quite frankly, he's a nice guy. I met him once. He did, Obviously, you know, you worked with him. It seems like he did the right thing bringing all his food. But he's got to calm down. I mean, you're not Michael Jordan. You're not Tiger Woods, Taz. You, you Taz. I think you're misunderstanding. I didn't. It, it wasn't that he was that upset about it, but he was joking about it on his on his show. So, so that's why he brought it because he wanted everybody else to feel welcome that he was here. No, I mean he did it because it was a kind gesture. I listen. I'll say this: absolutely a kind gesture. He fed all his guys. Took When's care the last of time we got food here? Not often, man. Seriously, when is the last time on National Bagels Day? I mean, Act buys pizza every other Friday or every Friday. Forget about the Act Pizza Fridays. You're talking about when like, a get when somebody who's you know hosting a show or anything like that brings some. I mean, DA always takes care of us when he comes back from vacation or something. Yeah, brings us treats here, here and there. But, but the like, last time, like a spread, a nice spread, we don't get that much. No, Boomer and Carton at, over at WFAN do a lot. We don't. I mean, we had the uh, the beef jerk. I guess Slim Jim brought them with uh, when they were with Tiki and Tierney promoting stuff. Yeah, I was really looking at with Jay ch- Billis chow down on a beef jerky. I guess you're right. Slim Jim's isn't exactly the big spread. Well. Regardless, I think Taz did a good job. I mean, I'm not happy with the fact that he was basically begging for a bottle of water. And now, Joe, this is now six minutes into Side B, the Permission Grant Podcast, and you have taken your shoe off, and they can't see this, obviously, because this is radio, this is podcast, and you have sniffed your freaking shoe off your foot. How many times now? Quite a few, man. What is going on? I got spicy feet today. You got spicy feet. That's spicy disgusting. feet. Is yeah. there a fungus among us? No, no fungus among us. You know, it's raining here in the Northeast. I think I got a little too much water in the shoes. They weren't tight enough. Oof, stay you know, you wear, you wear boots all winter. I got into the boots. Why didn't you wear the boots today? Yeah, I should have wore the boots. Uh, I don't know. I was in a rush. I was running around before I got here. I didn't get a, a lot of sleep. I got. A, you know what time I got out of here yesterday, the other day? Well, how much? What time? After WrestleMania? 
at 3 a.m. 3 a.m.? Isn't this shift over at 2? Yeah, and I was here till 3 a.m. I didn't get into bed till 4.15. Why were you here till 3? Well, because uh, Taz's audio producer for his for his show needed uh-huh. to make sure that he had all the segments and that everything, you know, was cut properly. And if he didn't, if, you know, if anything went wrong, I needed to be there to uh, resend them files, etc. He wasn't familiar with our Burley system. I would have told him, Chief, I got you tomorrow when I'm back on the clock. You know me. I'm out the door when my shift's over. Oh, wow. Has been well documented <laughs> on this show. I'm out of here. I would have, I would, if sure. I was you, I would have pulled that. I was exhausted. I was very close to pulling that. And then I finally said, you know, this segment by segment thing isn't working. I'm sending you hours. You could cut it up. You're too nice a guy, bro. Yeah, well, sometimes that uh, ends up backfiring. Well, regardless of the food, regardless of your stinky feet, what, uh, I'm sure the callers had to have been different, right? Did you get a lot of the same callers we usually get on CBS Sports Radio? Or did you get like a new breed of call? Were there new types of callers calling in? Honestly, I believe everybody that called in was a new breed of callers. First time callers. Because really? usually on our call screeners, we we could see how many times they've called, how many times they've been on air. And these were just all brand new numbers from across the country, not just in, you know, the New York or uh, East Coast area. It was across the country. It was phenomenal. The minute the show started until the minute the show ended, Full phone lines. Full phone lines. And that included get that, so we had some guests as well who broke it down. You had guests? Yeah, Taz had guests on. Uh oh, hold on. What? The the legendary Jim Ross. You know Jim Ross. If, yeah, of course. For, I love Jim Ross. JR joined us uh from Dallas. Oh take a TO here for a second. TO. I just gotta clarify this. So Taz had guests come on and you said it made a point of saying Taz. So you as the producer booked Taz I and nobody. I didn't book I didn't book anybody. So for what Taz. did you do? You sat there and ate sandwiches and put up phone calls? Uh Taz has a producer who was also there. I mean Taz has a whole entourage that was here. So what did you do? Uh I kind of You're taking bows that you produced the show. What did you do? I'm not taking any bows. You've actually made it seem a lot more important well, than I it actually is. I assumed you're a hard worker. What well, did you do? I just managed the entire show, made sure, you know, Taz stayed on on the clock, made sure uh, we took our breaks at the right time, tossed to the update, things like that. There's a lot of uh, little things that I And you obviously done. you know nothing about wrestling, so you didn't provide him with the topics or anything. He just kind of went on his own. No, I mean, uh it's kind of like watching the Super Bowl. You, you know, you sit there, you watch that, you know what's going on. He was watching the event. We had the event going on okay live in studio so the call so i would say it's a good thing for cbs sports radio that it may have introduced a different caller if it, you will it definitely may have introduced new callers to the network and i was shocked and and like i said i don't follow wrestling and just the way he was explaining things it made it seem very simple and that everybody who you know even if you haven't been following you would understand what's going on what the storylines are so if you had the bet, Joe, you were here, you saw the phone phone calls, would you say success to the point where there will be more WrestleMania post-game shows in the future of CBS Sports Radio? I would think so, yeah. I don't okay. see why not. Do you think it's only a WrestleMania thing, or would they do like a SummerSlam? Do you... I think it would have to be like their bigger pay-per-view, so probably WrestleMania, SummerSlam. Uh, the Royal Rumble's the, big. But do that, they have the Royal Rumble But still? that falls, though, January, I'm pretty sure, during football season. It's tough. I think it may work when it's not football season. When it's right. football season, you need to tell football. Maybe a WrestleMania, you know? maybe SummerSlam. It's good to hear that it went well. It's good to hear that they fed you. Uh, it's not good to hear, though, that Taz was unhappy doing guest spots and he couldn't get a cup of coffee or a bottle of water. That disturbs me. I mean, I listen, I can't blame the guy. You're really, really playing Homer here with him, huh? I'm not playing Homer. I'm just saying, you know, if I was making the rounds and I wanted a cup of coffee, you know, let me get a cup of coffee. All right, Joe. All right, Joe. Well, that's going to wrap it up for side B. Really, uh, really playing the fence here. I'm going to allow you to go uh, spray Febreze into your shoes because they stink. 
And uh, good luck uh, next year on WrestleMania. Thanks, bro. Looking forward to it. All right, follow Joe D at Twitter, where he gives you nothing at all at Joe D CBS. You can follow me at Twitter at Mraz CBS. Have a great week, everybody. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.